Greetings and welcome to episode one of the Rememberist Project. We thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Today's episode, we have a good friend of ours, Juliana Ambrosio, and she's going to be sharing her stories with us. Warning, some of what you're going to hear may be triggering, as we'll be talking about sensitive topics including self-harm, sexual assault, and intimate partner violence. We ask you to please listen and be mindful of the stories and understand that these are hers to tell, and we are privileged to hear them. Let's welcome Juliana to the podcast, and here's our host, Rob Baystow. What's going on? How Not are you? Not much. I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Um, it, it's great to have you. This is our first actual podcast in our uh, series that we're doing. So again, um, it's it's really an awesome thing that you'll be the first one on. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Absolutely. Um, what are we friends now? Ten years? It's going to be ten years. I cannot believe it. Ten long, painful years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we... You know, me and Juliana have known each other for a super long time. We started together, what, at uh, Regal Cinemas, the yes. theater? And I remember you showing me how to actually put uh, pretzels in a tray correctly <laughs> instead of just throwing them in. So, I was that person. Yeah, so um, what else is new? What's been up with you? What have you been up to? Not much. Um, I have just been working at my job. I work for New York State as a crisis counselor, mm-hmm. um, so that is really great. And I'm also finishing out my bachelor's degree. I'm graduating in May. Uh, my bachelor's degree will be in psychology. So I'm very excited for that. Wow, so psychology, that's like, that's the study of the mind. And like, you know, it has to do with like, you know, trauma and like all different kinds of things that could happen in a, a young person and also an old person, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what kind of psychology are you going for? Um, so I'd like to focus in uh, clinical psychology. Um I'm going to go on to get my PhD in clinical psych. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to be a therapist, see patients, things like that. Um, yeah. That's incredible. Now, would you say that you went into psychology for your own personal reasons? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, throughout my life, I experienced a plethora of trauma right, right. Um, in all different aspects, some developmental, some when I was older, but it really shaped me into the person I am today. You know, working through my own struggles and my own hardships, yeah, I just, I landed on psychology, and this is my dream. That's incredible. Um, so you you touched a little bit about on your developmental side, growing up as a, a young little girl. Uh, what was your childhood like? Um, <laughs> if I could use any word to describe it, it would be chaotic. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of tough. My sister, she experienced her own, you know, trauma and hardships, and... Life was very difficult for her, so it was a lot for her to handle being so young, Um, and it kind of spilled over into the rest of our family. You know, what happened to her was really significant, really devastating, so we all kind of dealt with it in our own ways. Um, You know, my dad, he chose to turn over to substance use and withdrawal, isolation. Uh, He became like a workaholic, and we saw him, you know, mainly at nighttime when we would be eating dinner together. Um, you know, my mom, she did everything that she possibly could to help my sister. Um, you know, she was, I don't want to say on her own with it, but she really tried her absolute best to help her with, you know, taking her to therapy and, you know, she focused a lot on her healing. Um, and then there was me and I was in the background and, you know, I did my own thing. I really like, there was so much going on in my household between my sister and my parents and their relationship. Um, I really, I tried to take the back seat and, you know, not make any waves. Uh, I, I try to always do good in school and get good grades. Um, yeah, just, I, I was a people pleaser and still to this day, I engage in all these people pleasing behaviors. Um, you know, I avoid conflict, things like that. 
just because of the way I grew up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, going through these kind of traumas and kind of seeing things take place around you, as you said, it kind of led you down an opposite path. Now, do you think that, like, a lot of those things that you witnessed and experienced kind of still affect you today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, experiencing trauma, whether it's your own or you're experiencing it secondhand or witnessing it, um, I think it sticks with you forever. I mean, you can heal from it as much as you would like to, but it's something that will always be with you. Um, it really, it affected me predominantly when I was younger. Um, you know, I had quite the adverse reaction to it. Um, you know, there was a lot of anxiety when I was younger. I was in first grade and I'd be in the nurse's office every single day because my stomach would be hurting and I would tell them that. And even though, you know, I'm sure everyone could relate to wanting to leave school because who wants to be there? Um, school sucks. <laughs> but for me, I really was experiencing that and that, that was, um, you know, what it was like for me when I was younger. Uh, and then my anxiety kind of manifested itself in different ways. And, you know, it went from the constant stomach aches to, um, more of like a mental emotional kind of thing where I had all of these fears. I had, you know, a fear of being kidnapped and I had a fear of the end of the world. You know, I really thought in my head, December 21st, 2012, like that was going to be it for us. And we the would Mayans all die. Were coming back. Yes. <laughs> the world was going to explode and we'd all be dead. Right. Um, and that, I mean, kept me up at night for, you know, until I knew that we were safe until it ended. Um, yeah, but it really manifested itself into different anxieties, different fears. Um, you know, I experienced some separation anxiety, uh, you know, and I think that kind of stems from like that fear of being kidnapped. But yeah, it was uh, pretty difficult for me. So anxiety is some pretty fucked up shit, huh? Even from like some of my own personal experiences, you know, the tightness of the chest, the, uh, you know, feeling like you're looking through yourself at it like a, through a glass jar, uh, overthinking, just totally feeling like true shit. Um, you know, I, I read something in a forum not too long ago, actually, that said that anxiety and depression go hand in hand. Do you think that depression has captivated your life at all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that holds true for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people that I know personally have experienced the anxiety and the depression, you know, goes hand in hand with it. Like you said, um, my own personal experience with it, I really wasn't depressed when I was younger. I would say... Um, probably like late middle school, early high school, that's when the depression really started to slowly but surely creep in. Um, you know, I actually started seeing my first therapist when I was in eighth grade. Um, my mom started to realize, you know, how I was feeling and that it was affecting, uh, my grades and my personality. I wasn't acting like myself, you know, all the typical things you start to see with someone who starts to experience depression. Um... You know, and that was that was a really rough battle for me, and it's something that I still honestly struggle with to this day. Uh, I think it's going to be something that I will experience for the rest of my life, and it's going to constantly be a battle. But um, especially when I was younger, it was very difficult. Uh, I didn't really know what it was, um, you know, and anyone who can relate to feeling that way knows you feel so like you're you're stuck in the deepest, darkest hole in the ground and you can't pull yourself up. Um, and you'll turn to pretty much anything and everything to try. Um, you know, for me, self-harm was something that I engaged in in my early high school years. Um, you know, you just feel so numb and so broken that anything that you can make yourself feel, including pain, is better than what you're feeling at that very moment. Um, you know, so that was something that I turned to, you know, during that time. 
That's some powerful stuff. You know, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Does um do you think that like that feeling of anxiety, depression, does it still hold true today in like your your day to day self, or do you think that you've found ways to master it? Through a very long <laughs> uh, time in therapy, um, I've definitely been able to get a better grip on things. Like I said earlier, it's definitely, I don't think anyone can ever truly be cured of depression or anxiety or really any mental illness. I think it's more about managing it and creating it into something that is more effective for you to be able to deal with. Um, you know, I use a lot of mindfulness. I turn to my spirituality to help me get through it. Um, you know, a lot more effective things instead of self-harm and isolation, withdrawal, things like that. So right. it's under control. So this was all happening at a, at a pretty young age, right? Mm -hmm. Then you got to be a certain age when, you know, me and you had met, you started working at Regal. Uh, Rob got us the job, right, Rob? <laughs> That's what I told you guys. That's crazy. Wow. We've all known each other that long. Um, would you say in your teen years, uh, things started to open up for you? Maybe, you know, friendships, relationships, did any of that start to change? Um, I would say so. I mean, I started working at Regal when I was 16. And from that point on, I really thought my life was going to be so much better. You know, I made a bunch of new friends. I felt more confident. Um... It was just overall a really good experience for me, and I really thought things would be getting better. Um, and then, you know, at home, I also had stuff going on. I mean, when I was 16, my parents were in the middle of getting a divorce. Um, unfortunately, my dad, you know, he moved out of our house. It was me, my mom, and my sister. And, you know, time, like tough times kind of weaseled their way back into my life. Right. Um, my mom started working and she would work late nights. She'd work on the weekends and, you know, things got really tough. I spent a lot of time by myself and especially with no parental advisory, I turned to a lot of attention seeking behaviors uh, and, you know, just engaging with different people, trying to, I don't really know how to say it, like trying to uh, get their attention almost in a way. Yeah. So when you talk about trying to, um, you know, you know, having attention seeking behavior and, um, you know, your parents divorced, um, not really getting to spend as much time as your mom because you looked up to her, which she is a wonderful woman. Yes. Um, do you feel like, you know, you, you did things kind of not the way that you wanted to? Like, did you find yourself like, you know, jumping into chat rooms? Did you maybe, you know, how did that and what do you mean by that? Um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time online talking to different people, different guys, um, really just seeking out any attention that I could get. I mean, you have to remember, my dad really wasn't in the picture most of my life. He was there, but not really. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I felt so alone. I didn't really have anyone to be able to turn to. So I sought out attention from different people through the internet and you know, just to chat, just have someone to talk to, you know, just have someone pay attention to me. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I did. So, you know, after seeing your parents, you know, fight and all the things that happened with them, you know, we always we always seem to put our parents on a high pedestal, like they're almost superheroes. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the way that their relationship went down, do you think it had any sort of drastic effect on your you know, relationships that you recently had had? Of course, yeah. I think that, you know, I mean, because think about it. We only ever really see our parents in relationships, unless you have, like, close extended family and you visit them a lot, but your parents really set the... Um, 
tone? Yeah, set the tone for, right. for what your future relationships are going to be like, what's Absolutely. okay and what's not okay. So, I mean, if someone grows up in a household where their parents truly love each other and respect each other and, you know, there's a mutual division of labor and things like that, then they're going to grow up to have healthy relationships. Um, and if it's the opposite, where their parents are arguing and fighting and, you know, there's, there's violence and there's abuse, then... I feel like they would think that that stuff is okay and something to be tolerated in relationships because that's just the cost of love. Absolutely. Absolutely. I understand what you're saying with that. Um, so it sounds like it, it extremely resonated from your, fa from your parents how you were going to perceive your relationships and kind of the normalcy behind them. Uh, give me a little rundown of your first relationship. What was it sure. like? Um, so my first real relationship was... Kind of difficult. Um, in the beginning, it was really phenomenal. I mean, I, I met this person and, you know, everything was really great. I mean, it was all sunshine and rainbows. Uh, we went on a lot of dates and there was a lot of respect and love to be had. And it was a really unique relationship. I mean, here I am, my first relationship ever, a few months into it, and I'm this is the guy I'm going to marry, we're going to be happy, we're going to have the white picket fence, it's all going to be wonderful. The nuclear family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the American dream. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then moving forward, things started to change. Uh, things started to take a turn for the worst. So, you know, a few months into the relationship, things changed. Mm. Something changed in him. How so? Um... It was, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like a flip switch, I guess. Right. Um, and the respect that I once had seemed to slowly but surely seep away. Right. Um, you know, it turned into, at first it was just manipulation and um, isolation. He started to drive some wedges between me and my friends and me and my family. And, you know, at, at a point he was coming over my house every weekend, you know, a few days during the week. And at that point, our relationship a few months in, it was, oh, let's not go to your mom's house anymore. Let's just stay here at the apartment. Oh, let's not go out with your friends tonight. Let's just stay home and watch a movie. Um, and I didn't really think too much into it at the time, you know, because, yeah, let's let's stay at your house. Sure, let's stay at your apartment. Let's, uh, you know, stay in tonight and watch a movie. I didn't want to go out anyway. Um, so I didn't really recognize that I was kind of being sucked into an abusive cycle at that point. Um, there was a lot of accusations. I mean, I never gave him any reason to believe that I was cheating on him. But in his eyes, I wasn't allowed to talk to this person because they're flirtatious with me. And the way they think about me is, you know flirty and they want me so I'm not allowed to talk to them or engage with them in any way um you know and like I said then it turned into my family and you know your mom is toxic Let, you should stay away from her she doesn't want what's best for you I do um you know I remember him saying once that he wanted to move me away down to Florida because you know that was his dream and it'd be amazing for me to support him with something like that and I truly believe thinking back on it if I would have went with him I would either be dead or extremely you know hurt or in some sort of position that I wouldn't be able to get myself out of um you know so moving forward with that it it went from you know the isolation the um accusations into a more physically abusive relationship so um it was hard for me to understand really what was going on because I was only 17 at the time I had just turned 17 a few months earlier and, and how, how old was he uh he was 22 
Yeah, okay. so there was a bit of an age gap, and yeah, I mean, uh, it turned physically abusive. And again, it wasn't, you know, every single day at first. It was one time here, one time there, um, you know, a push, a shove uh, at first. And, you know, it was always, oh, this is... I'll never do this again. I'll never hurt you again. You know, this was, I was just angry. You upset me. This, like, if you didn't do this one particular thing, then I wouldn't have hurt you. Um, making it seem like it was my fault. And, you know, for someone who has previously, previously struggled with, you know, mental health issues and anxiety and, you know, again, witnessing their parents in a similarly abusive relationship, um, I didn't really think, wow, this is really not okay. I definitely should leave. I, I shouldn't be with this person because this is how they are. Um, you know, and it, it just continued to escalate. I was told, oh, don't worry, I'll never hit you hard enough to leave a mark. No one will ever find out. As if it was some secret to be kept, um, you know, on the lowdown. Um, and it just kept progressing like that. And... You know, throughout this whole time, he was using drugs that I didn't find out about until later on in our relationship. Um, it was difficult. It was really difficult for me to understand what was happening. Um, then, so this was about, I want to say, eight months or so, nine months or so into our relationship. Um, it was Valentine's Day. We went out for a nice dinner and, you know, we'd been, ar been arguing a lot lately because of everything that's been going on and... Um, yeah, so we go out for a nice dinner, and of course we sit down, immediately get into an argument, I don't touch my food throughout the whole night, and that made him extremely angry, so we go to leave, he pays for dinner, we walk out to the car, and he chases me, and he grabs my arms, and he throws me up against the car, and he's shaking me and screaming at me about what an ungrateful little bitch I am, and how could I do this to him, how could I disrespect him and embarrass him at dinner, um, and... This is, this is when I had my first real wake-up call. Even though I wasn't injured that bad physically that night, uh, a very kind young man saw this happen, and he ran right over to me. And, you know, of course, the person I was dating ran away immediately into one of the stores that were still open. And this guy came over, and he was very concerned. And he said, are you okay? Do you need me to call the police? Is this something that happens a lot? And I said... Uh, even though I was upset, I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need the police. As if this was, you know, something that occurred on the regular, which it did. <laughs> but right. it, it didn't register in my head that this was something that really wasn't okay. Um, so I got in my car. I sat there for a few minutes contemplating everything. I, I said I was okay. I was going to be going home anyway. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and then, you know, he came back out. And, of course, it was the same thing. The apology. I'll never do it again. You made me so angry. If if you didn't react that way during dinner, then I wouldn't have yelled at you. And, you know, as upset as I was, I said, fine, get in the car and I'll drive you back home. And, you know, you're forgiven again. So we go back to his apartment. Everything's fine. I leave. Um, next weekend after that, similarly, another situation happens. Um, we had dinner. You know, there was drinks to be had on his part, um, and he decided to get a little too intoxicated that night. So we decided, well, I decided, um, we're going to go home, and that's it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to drop you off, and I'm done for the night because I was really at my wit's end at that point. 
Um, so we go back to his apartment. I insisted on dropping him off. He insisted on having me come inside because he was very drunk and God forbid he was able to walk himself to his apartment door. So I said, sure, I'll park. I'll walk you in. But that's about all I'm doing. So we get out of the car. I walk him up to his apartment door and he says, please come in. Just make sure I get into bed. Okay. Um, you know, uh, it'll be quick, whatever. So I said, fine, okay, I'll, I'll walk you into bed, make sure you get into bed, okay, and then that's it, I'm gonna leave. And he said, okay, fine. So we go into his bedroom, you know, he gets undressed, he gets ready for bed, and, you know, then he starts kissing me, and I said, I don't want to do this, I want to go home, you annoyed me, uh, we're not doing this, like, don't get any ideas, and I said no, and he said yes, and, I mean... The, the rest is history. He proceeded to take advantage of me and, you know, I was raped that night and it was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced in my life. I don't even remember the drive home. I remember passing the police station on my way home, the 6th precinct, and saying to myself, you know what, maybe I should just go inside and tell them what happened. But at that time, I was still processing what was going on and I didn't even really think what had happened was rape or sexual assault or anything significant. I mean, he was my boyfriend. How could it, how could it have been rape if we're dating? Um, you know, I remember going home that night and I sat on my bathtub fully clothed with the water running on me. And I just remember feeling like I wanted to scrub myself clean from the inside out. It's the only way I could describe it. Um, the, the shame and disgust that you feel after someone takes advantage of you in a sexual way is the most horrific feeling you could experience. Um, and that was the beginning of a very hard rest of my life. I mean, it's something that I still struggle with to this day. Um, I, didn't, I didn't tell anyone what had happened to me. Um, the only reason that I did tell one of my close friends, who was also my coworker, was because I was worried that I may have been pregnant. Um, you know, I went for almost three months without having my period, and now I realize it was because of the immense stress that I was under, but at that time I really did think that I was pregnant because the way that things happened, it was very possible. Um, yeah. Well, first and foremost, we want to uh, thank you for even sharing that. Um, everybody here at the podcast team knows that rape is a serious situation, and for you to be able to share that with us, you know, we thank you. Um, this, we want to take a moment, me and the team, to kind of uh, address this to the people listening, that if you notice anything going on in your relationship, toxicity, gaslighting, any sort of thing that can't be resolved peacefully and could be damaging or detrimental to the person's bodily or mental state seek help you could be afraid but you could get out of it is there anything you'd like to add to that ron no i think that was perfectly said to be honest okay um but i think people need to really i mean i know it's hard to speak up um and you really can't say you know you have to speak up but i think people need to i don't want to say need to but um i think we need to, we we as a whole society have to try and help build the confidence of people to be able to speak out and be comfortable with their friends, their family, and to talk about certain things, or at least seek someone professionally that they can confide into to 
get the proper advice. The only way abuse thrives is in silence. And until you shine a light on what's happening, you'll never be able to get the help that you need. And there are helplines. We're going to link, you know, resources below if you or someone that you know is struggling with this type of thing. But there are ways to get help safely. Absolutely. Um, um, What did your healing situation look like? Um, So because it was my boyfriend, because I didn't really understand that, you know, I was sexually assaulted... It was really, really rocky in the beginning. Um, You know, after this had happened, we wound up breaking up and, you know, I was able to safely get away. But um, the healing process was very hard because I would constantly invalidate myself and make myself feel like, you know, this wasn't rape. It, It was just, you know rough it was just something you didn't feel comfortable doing it was your boyfriend he couldn't he couldn't do this to you he couldn't sexually assault you um and i i really believe that but in my heart you know that's that's what my mind was telling me but my heart was telling me something completely different um you know i didn't even know what ptsd was when i was 17 i didn't know it was a thing that could happen after situations like this and you know after what happened happened i had severe nightmares, um, night terrors, um, hypervigilance, where I would constantly be looking over my shoulder, having, um, you know, my keys in my hand, ready to attack people in the parking lot if anyone even, you know, started to come at me or look at me the wrong way. Um, You know, on top of that, for most people who know me, you know, I tend to be very lighthearted and kind. I turned into someone who was so aggressive and just ready to attack people, you know, in any given second. Um, The only reason I wound up telling my family members what was happening, my mom and my sister, was because my mom and and I were arguing in the kitchen one day, and my sister was so sick of the way that I was acting, she took the protein bar that she was eating, and she threw it at me, and it hit me in the head. (laughs) I got so mad at her for this. I literally grabbed her by her shirt, leaned her over the sink, and I went to go punch her across the face until I stopped, and I said, what am I doing right now? And after that, I had a complete emotional breakdown, I was hysterical crying. I mean, I was inconsolable for quite some time. And my mom just kept asking me, what happened? What happened? What happened to you? Because she knew. I mean, moms always know stuff like that. Um, And she knew something had happened. So, you know, she took me in my room. She sat me down and she said, I need you to tell me what happened. And I didn't really give her the full story. But, you know, I told her about the abuse that had occurred and, you know, the the big event that had happened. But I I didn't want to say it because at that point I was still in denial myself. I still didn't want to believe that it was real. Um, and that was probably, you know, three, four months after it occurred. Um, I didn't tell my own therapist who I was seeing until November. This happened in February. So almost, you know, a whole year later, just about. Um, so the healing process was really rocky and the hypervigilance, the nightmares that honestly didn't let up until, recently and it's been over seven years at this point this is something that has haunted me and i have had to learn how to deal with and cope with for i mean since the day that it happened um and and rob starsky knows some of what i experienced because you know after the breakup occurred we had a very long talk in his office um after we were closing up because you know i told him 
a little bit about what was going on because I was scared to drive home. You know, the person I was dating would drive past my house and, um, you know, he worked in the field of technology. So I really thought that he was able to see what I was doing on my phone. He gave it to me as a gift. I thought that it was, you know, tapped or something. So I had to get a new phone and it it was really scary. So, I mean, Rob, if you want to tell, you know, your story for that. I, I do know that night um, you're talking about was um, we were we were talking and, and you were very hesitant to say anything um, and I could tell there was something up with you I could read it on your face um, just even your body language you were very tense you were very just um, you seemed nervous uh, and you kind of let on that you just didn't want to go yet you didn't want to leave and you just kind of sat in there talking to me and another person uh, that was in there at the time. And um, I remember I was counting money, and I stopped. I looked up to you. I said, you know, be honest with me, 100% honest. I'm like, has he, has he touched you? And you kind of let off a little bit to, like, you know, he grabbed my arm once. And I looked at you back, and I was like, is that all? And you were like, no. And I just remember being very angry myself because I uh, I don't believe in that sort of thing. And... Um, you know, I know the other person that was with us got really upset as well. Um, and that night we, we did make sure we walked, like we were finished up a little bit and then we walked to your car to make sure you got out safe. Um, but yeah, that night, like I, I, I don't want to say I had to coerce you into kind of telling me, but you know, it was just, I know it was a hard thing for you to say and uh, I was glad you did. Um, and I do feel privileged that you were able to say something to me. Um, but that night, yeah, it was, a. Uh, it was hard to take in, to be honest. Even, even someone who's being told something like that, it, it is hard to accept and take it in because how do you react? How do you, you know, my initial reaction was, you know, I want to put hands on this guy myself, but that wouldn't be the right thing to do, of course. But, um, and I know Rob, you hearing this story kind of makes you feel that same way too. Absolutely. And, um. Honestly, I think it was the smartest thing Juliana could have did at the time was tell me after the fact because I know she wanted to. She had explicitly told me how many times she almost came to me about it, but she knew the reaction I would have had. And honestly, that wouldn't have solved the problem. That would have just caused more. So I'm kind of glad she, even through all the struggles she was going through, she still handled everything perfectly. Um, you know, do you feel, honestly, when it comes to something like this, that... um. You know, were there, were there people in your life that kind of uh, stunted your healing process? Did anybody, you know, come along? Um, yeah, of course. I think this is like a unique situation where uh, it's something so delicate. And, you know, I was already invalidating myself, you know, telling myself, no, this didn't happen to you. Uh, you're just being dramatic. Um, you know, it wasn't like that. He didn't mean to do it to you, you know, making every excuse that I could just to make myself feel better at that time. Um, so, you know, telling people that were close to me, um, you know, my mom was there for me, but her reaction, uh, at certain points during my healing was also kind of invalidating. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when it comes to my mom and the way that she reacted, you know, as upset as I was by it at those points in my life, I also have to remember she's a victim herself. You know, she experienced, of course. you know, marital abuse and, you know, abuse 
you know, before my parents had gotten married and, you know, she knows what it's like to be there. And I think that she was not in the right frame of mind to be able to deal with and cope with her daughter experiencing a situation like this when she hasn't even really dealt with her own issues. Um, you know, there were close friends of mine that, you know, I'm no longer friends with that I, I've lost because, you know, it felt like a competition between whose trauma was worse or, you know, the invalidation of, oh, you're just being dramatic. Oh, you can't remember that this happened. Like, I know that you remember. You told me about it. You know, whatever the case may have been with, you know, those few different people. But, you know, it, it's really heartbreaking when you're sharing a story like this that's so deep and so personal um, and you don't get the reaction that you want or need in, in those moments. Absolutely. They're, they're kind of writing it off or comparing it and making yeah. it like a contest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you discussed the healing process and, and how you went forward, um, how did that affect any future relationships? Um, this is tough. So uh, the next relationship I had was, you know, I don't want to say similar because it wasn't similar in the abusive aspects, but... Um, it was challenging. You know, I, I went into it thinking it was very shortly after and I went into it thinking, um, you know, this person was going to be my knight in shining armor. Everything. How looked, long? How long after? It was not even one month after. Okay. Um, I took no time to heal myself. I didn't want to believe what had happened. And, uh, you know, the, the entire time that I was in that relationship for, you know, over three years, I, I couldn't even heal the way that I needed to because it was something that he didn't understand and he didn't really want to understand what had happened. So that made it, you know, exponentially more difficult for me to to go through the healing process by myself while also living in a fantasy world where this never even happened to me. Um, you know, so in the beginning of that relationship, it was... The same thing. Butterflies, rainbows, sunshine. Everything was going to be great. This was the person who I was going to be in love with for the rest of my life. There was no doubt about it at the time. Um, you know, and it, it was, you know, there was great times, uh, you know, that we had had. And, you know, we had lived together and, you know, the whole nine. But um, it was hard. I mean, again, there were certain red flags that had come up. I remember I was sleeping one night and I woke up in the morning and you know he was upset with me because he looked through my phone when I was sleeping and three years ago he saw a conversation between me and my best friend um you know that there was you know nothing really sexual nothing ever happened between us but we had said to each other oh you know if we turn 18 and we're still virgins, like, let's just lose our virginity to each other because at least we love each other and, you know, it'll be all good. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, people do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but that was a big enough deal for me to to lose that friendship over that, um, you know, in, in this person's eyes. And that's when it still breaks my heart to this day that I, I lost so many people that I loved and so many people I was close with because um, I was dating some, someone who wasn't okay with these relationships um after that point it turned into something that was toxic um and i think that you know if anyone who knew us while we were dating i think they could agree to it um you know there was times where we would go through each other's phones constantly uh 
it's not healthy. It was not healthy at all. Uh, and it's not healthy to do that in any relationship. Um, if you don't have trust in a relationship, I mean, that's the foundation of everything. If you don't have trust, you really have nothing. Um, I remember reaching, trying to reach out to you a few times and I didn't hear anything for quite a while. It was probably a solid year that we didn't really even talk for because you were a threat, unfortunately. Um, and that was just the way the cookie crumbled. And again, it took me a long time to be able to pull myself out of it and realize this isn't okay. And it, it was something that wasn't okay for either one of us. You know, we became equally toxic with each other, constantly looking through each other's phones. Like I said, um, you know, he would be going to school and, you know, I'd be checking his location. He would, he would do the same to me because um, we had each other's locations on our phones, um, you know, talking to people of uh, the, the other sex, you know, if he were at work and talking to girls or if I was at my job and talking to guys, there was a point where I barely even worked just because I didn't want to deal with the repercussions of being away for so long and having to hear, oh, how was this? How was that? And be almost interrogated um, at certain points, which, you know, it's manipulating. Now, that goes kind of hand in hand. When, when you were working, did it almost possess you in a way to constantly fixate on where he was too, that maybe your work wasn't being done as efficiently? Like, did it kind of distract you in any way that you were so, you know, kind of always checking the location, trying to figure things out? Did it distract you from normal daily life? Absolutely. Um, and that was actually uh, the time where I realized this really isn't healthy. Um, I was distracted from everything, you know, and the biggest thing was I couldn't even go out and do my own things without, I don't want to say me having to check, but him checking in on me, the phone, the phone calls constantly. I literally, the day that I decided we needed to break up was I was out to eat with one of my close friends and he called me right in the middle of us eating. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to answer it. And my friend who I was with said, when is this going to stop? Because it was something that multiple people have been fed up with and no one really wanted to say anything to me because, you know, there were so many good sides to the relationship. So, so why wouldn't it have been able to continue happily, um, you know, especially bringing it back to seeing your parents and, you know, thinking, oh, well, every relationship has its flaws or it's, you know, it has to be a little toxic in order for it to be a relationship because that's what love entails um, and thinking those things. And having it be constantly reinforced throughout your life, uh, it's hard to break away from that and, you know, change gears. So. Well, you know, again, another situation that we thank you for sharing with us. Now, um, you got out of this relationship. You, you became a lot more independent, but... Did you have any sort of uh, view on how relationships were now? Did it change your persona in a way to where this is what you thought was always going to be the normalcy? Um, I knew that this wasn't how things were supposed to be for me. I knew that this was like I, I knew that relationships were supposed to be healthy and especially going to school for social work initially and then switching over to psychology. I mean, you learn about all these different things and I've truly believe that my education is something that has helped me uh realize these things in these relationships and um you know especially in in the relationship I was just speaking about um I feel like if I didn't have my education 
you know, I, I don't think I would have been able to pull myself out of it and realize this, this really isn't good for me. It's not benefiting me because I had lost everything. It was becoming similar to the situation that I was in previously where I was becoming isolated. We had lived together, you know, totally on our own. Um, I really wasn't working that much. I wasn't going to school. I wasn't talking to my friends. And I knew that I didn't want to be put in a situation like I was. And I, I don't think it ever would have got to that point where it was truly abusive but you know it was enough for me so i knew that things had to end um <clears throat> and it, it did change how i viewed future relationships I, I i thought that you know it would be really rare for me to be able to get into a relationship with someone who was nice and normal i felt that you know that was just a made-up fairy tale i had in my head um you know but after we broke up i was able to really take time and you know evaluate what I just went through for the past, you know, X amount of years since I was in my first relationship. Um, it's extremely hard when you're trying to heal from something as traumatic as being sexually assaulted by your partner. Um, you know, and, and trying to live in a fantasy land pretending like nothing ever happened because, you know, I would be having nightmares and waking up in a cold sweat crying and I couldn't even turn to the person that I was with to right. say, hey, I need you to help me with this because I can't do it on my own. Right. So I had to totally shut that part of myself off in order to be able to, you know, have the picture perfect relationship. I mean, look back on, on Facebook. It's it's written all over. It was it was great. It was wonderful. It, it was nothing but love, according to that. But that's not really what it was like deep down. Honestly, I mean, I feel like I could relate to that mm -hmm. in a certain sense with my own previous things. I, <clears throat> you know, thinking about it, you know, as you were just telling us that, you know, sometimes it really feels like people, they just get, you know, used to the chaos and like the dysfunction, you know. And, Absolutely. And, and we start to project it as the normalcy, like I had mentioned before. So like calm probably honestly just feels boring, yeah. you know, and, and which is kind of messed up if you think about it, truthfully. Our brains get diluted as to what's right and what's wrong you know and and i always say like you know as humans we got to learn to try to condition ourselves to kind of crave the calm because i actually read something in a forum from a therapist that said craving the calm and by remembering calm is just so important for the mind to heal um you know until your normal is the true normal and you finally feel the calmness and the quietness you will never be able to repel in which makes you weaker. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that line right there was like, boom. Like, oh my goodness. All the stuff that I had heard, all the stuff that I had been through, you had been through, you know, it, it was right there. Yeah. That we just kept chasing the same line. Like as if we were throwing the fishing reel in and, you know, grabbing the same fish over and over again. Yes. Um, you know, learning normalcy is just the key. And, um, you know, when it... I, you know, this, you know, there's a couple different things, you know, you know, you said that you took a little bit of time to this time to, to really focus on yourself, focus on, you know, your mind, your heart. Um, let's talk about some positives. Was there anybody that really accelerated your healing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one person I really would like to say thank you to is my boyfriend, James, right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've oh, been man. together. Thank you, Rob, for setting us up. <laughs> That's um, right. We've been together for, you know three and a half years and James is the most normal, most calm, considerate person I've ever met. Um, and I'll be frank with you. It was not easy in the beginning. I really, not that I didn't want to be with him because I did. Yeah. It was so hard for me to 
feel confident about this relationship because it was so normal and so healthy. It was like, you know... It was foreign. It was like walking into Payless to buy a wedding dress. It yeah. was just so... It felt so wrong. Um, and, and not in a, in a bad way or a judgmental way. It right. just... It didn't seem normal to me uh, to be in something that was normal. It wasn't... Of course. It wasn't my... Uh, I don't want to say preferred situation, but it was not something I was used to. And, you know, what's funny is James is a a longtime friend of mine. He's a brother of mine, and he's a good man. And um, it's just great to kind of have seen you guys both touch each other's hearts and get to where you are right now. Um, You know, they say that healing isn't linear. It's kind of fluid. You know, would you agree that there's kind of like either just a linear passage or it's kind of like a spectrum in between? I think healing is one of the most fluid things on this earth um you know and especially after what i went through i I truly didn't start the healing process until just recently um you know i would say even within the past year i mean before that i was in therapy for seven years with one therapist and you know i'm going on it's, it's been over two years with my current therapist and it has been such a whirlwind i mean and of course so you think about it, you're, you're dealing with this big traumatic event that occurred in your life when you were 17 and then, you know, other losses and people passing away and people being sick around you and, you know, just the, the, the stress of daily life yeah. and, you know, trying to constantly, um, you know, tie this big traumatic event into your healing. Uh, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, you know, and something for me has been... You know, something for me that has helped me tremendously is the support of the people that I've close to me. And that's one thing that I could really thank James for is, you know, he really encouraged me to try to have a relationship with my sister. You know, because of everything that went on when we were we were kids, yeah. it was hard for me to, to be open to having a relationship with her. And for a long time, I really uh, rebelled against the idea of, you know having her as a part of my life we weren't close for a long time um and all of the relationships i was in before i i met james really weren't they didn't help you know um it it seemed to only drive a wedge further between us unfortunately but um you know right now i i have james to thank for that and you know of course i have my sister to thank for that that she was open to having a relationship with me and you know today like this day i think about losing my sister and it literally breaks my heart and i could cry about it and like i i don't want to be you know rude but in the past it wasn't really like that because we weren't really that close yeah um you know when i have her wife to thank for it she has been someone who's been a huge part of my healing just being able to open up to her and share with her and you know she's been there for me you know every step of the way since you know, we Incredible all woman. reconciled. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and like even my parents in, in a different way, I think that, um, you know, for my mom, it's been hard for her to kind of understand it. So I kind of have strayed away from talking to her about this stuff. But um, my dad and I actually had a conversation recently where I told him what had happened to me. Um, and for those of you who don't know my dad, he is sick with Parkinson's. So, you know, daily life is hard for him to maneuver and um you know he was in tears when I had this conversation with him because I I didn't really not that I didn't feel comfortable but I just wasn't ready to tell him it took me seven years to tell my own dad what had happened to me um 
you know, so that was something significant. And I think that even helped to accelerate my, my healing process. And, uh, at the top of my list has to be my therapist. <laughs> um, he has gone places with me that nobody else was willing to go in the past. Um, I mean, between the cognitive processing therapy that we've done, the exposure therapy, going back to places. I mean, just recently, he had me go back to the apartment where this whole event took place. And it was the most healing, cathartic experience I could have ever had. I felt so empowered leaving there. And I never even knew that I could feel that way. I thought I would go and it would break me down and I would have an anxiety attack and bring me right back to where I was, but I really felt so empowered after experiencing that. Um, so I think that healing is completely fluid and I think that, you know, there are a lot of different wheels that are spinning to help someone heal. It's hard to heal from something like this completely on your own without the help of a therapist, without the help of your family or friends to support you. It's nearly impossible in my opinion. Um, and if you are someone who has done that, that is incredible and I really give props to you, but it's really hard to truly heal from something like this without additional support. I mean, I could definitely agree to that. I, you know, <clears throat> I see my own therapist as well, and we've made tremendous strides even in my own life. Yeah. And I feel like it's something that everybody should have. Absolutely. Someone to talk to that's a non-biased party that kind of gives you a more professionalism way of thinking and actually breaks down things. And honestly, that exposure therapy seems to be the real deal because I feel like if I revisited a couple things or any of us did, it kind of rocks you at the core. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after hearing what you said, that sounds more like a transformation to me. You know, you, you've really, you've grown into a fine young woman, and it's it's incredible. Look at how, you know, honestly, do you believe you've come very far? To be quite honest with you, Rob, I know that I've come very far. Um, you know, in the past seven years, there has been several times where, you know, I have had the lowest of lows, you know, not wanting to live anymore, thinking that life would be better off without me um you know just I've really been in dark places throughout this whole um experience with healing and you know throughout the tools that I've learned you know with my first therapist and uh you know with my current therapist you know I've been able to use different things like self-compassion um you know radical acceptance um you know even my spirituality to to be able to move forward and really transform through this um you know being grateful is something that i don't want to say i didn't experience it when i was younger um you know you're you're not really able to experience true happiness and true peace until you have lived through your darkest days uh because then and only then will you know how lucky you are to have, um, you know, heartwarming experiences and people who love you. Um, you know, I never thought in my entire life, I, w I, I didn't even think I would make it to, you know, 25 years old, let alone, uh, being 25 and happy. Um, I didn't think that was possible for me. I did. I didn't think that, you know, I would be able to be in a healthy, fulfilling relationship that's supportive and, um, beneficial mutually beneficial um i didn't think i'd be able to have you know my few close friends and you know same thing have them support me and love me for who i am and you know vice versa um you know even my family i didn't think i would be able to have 
you know, relationships with my family. And through acceptance, I've been able to, you know, accept that certain people just are not able to be who I need them to be, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be met with judgment and anger. It could be met through that acceptance and, you know, just understanding the fact that, you know, certain things are ineffective for me at this point in my life and that's okay. Um, you know, the greatest joy I probably have in my life right now that I didn't even know was possible was having my nephews. Um, and, you know, just seeing their faces and seeing how much they love me unconditionally and, you know, how much I love them. Like, you, you don't even know what that's like until you experience it. And, you know, I know Rob could relate because I was so, you know, curious of how he was so happy with his nephew. And, I mean, Rob, if you want to talk more about what that experience was like, you know, back when we were working together, because, you know, you could explain it better than I can. So It was kind of just like a, uh, you know, even though there was no effort on my part of it, but it was just kind of like a proud thing to kind of like, you know, whenever like they, my parents would stop by to to visit with him, it's like oh, you know, look, 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 look how cute he is. Everyone, come on, look at you know, and just being like so proud of like you know this this little uh, this little guy, and um, even my niece too, um, just being like so happy to, like to share him with other people because um, the joy they bring you, just you know, watching them grow, even though they're not your own children, um, you get very close with them and you're very protective of them, uh, so. You know, and you told me this a few days ago, how, you know, what you just said now is the the joy that you feel with them. And uh, you showed me a few videos, and I've seen some pictures, and they are both uh, two adorable little healthy boys. And I think they're going to be grateful to have someone like you in their life. Um, you're definitely going to spoil them. I know that. <laughs> I already do. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a, a great thing, too. And it's just something that, like, you know not to make anything about other than anyone else in this podcast it's a type of thing where you know when you start to think and uh about life you know your own life and your health and everything is um you know i put them on top of the list when it comes to like when people say to me like you know what's one of your number one goals for wanting to get healthy and um you know lose weight and such like that and they are on top of my list because i want to be around for them so you know I know exactly how you feel in that aspect. Absolutely. Juliana, we wanted to thank you so much for being on our first podcast in the Remember Us Project. Uh, it, it was a very powerful story you gave us. Um, but with being on the Remember Us Project, we kind of like to leave our viewers and also the person on it with one final question. Uh, what do you want the viewers to remember your story of and by? Um, for anyone out there listening, I really just want you to know that you know every problem every experience every terrible thing that you're going through it's temporary whether it's going to be temporary for one day one month one year it will be temporary and healing is possible for anybody I mean in my darkest days like I said, I thought I was better off dead. I thought that, you know, there was no possible way I could heal from something like this where I was hurt in such a deep, provocative way. Um, you know, I didn't think there was a chance at me moving forward and living a healthy, normal life. Uh, I mean, to, to, to a certain extent at that point. <laughs> but, um, you know, my normal life and a life that makes me feel good and proud to be who I am. Um, 
healing is it's an ever-changing experience and it's something like i said earlier that's completely fluid you're gonna have highs you're gonna have lows but don't give up because you know if i would have looked at myself a year ago today you know compared to where i am this day sitting here recording this podcast with one of my best friends in the world um you know it, it would be a totally different experience i didn't even think that i was capable of sharing my story let alone you know being able to sit here in a room full of people and talk about it to this extent um and it's powerful and I, I hope that these things can resonate with you and you know i hope that if anything i said struck a chord with you you know you are able to find yourself help you are able to understand that nothing is permanent and you will be able to heal yourself and move forward you know everybody deserves a chance at happiness and everybody deserves a chance to live a better life um and if you're struggling you you will see a light at the end of the tunnel eventually i know it might be hard in the moment but you will be able to move forward and we thank you for being brave enough to share that with us. Absolutely, Jewel. Thank you. This concludes our first episode of the Remember Us Project. We want to thank everyone for listening. And we really hope that anyone out there who um, is going through something like this and is looking for someone to speak to, that you are encouraged to you know, speak up to someone. And if you are someone who notices something from somebody, family, or a friend that you make sure that you're there for them to be able to listen and give them the time they need to open up but always make sure to know that um let them know that you're there um i also want to give a special thanks to our host rob uh for being you know great support for juliana this whole time um asking the questions that need to be asked um as humble as he is our director and head writer keith uh, for giving us a great outline and to follow and go through um, with uh, the help of our good buddy Drew, who is a, a producer and assistant writer. Uh, our on-set consultant, Anthony, for being there to kind of give us a little hand with some of the touchier subjects. Um, and, you know, just all our friends that have been there for support. Uh, good buddy John, thanks for being here tonight. And most importantly, Juliana, we really thank you for sharing this with us um, you know, we know a lot of it's been hard, and you did an amazing job. Uh, I, for sure, am proud of you. And, you know, again, I can't thank you as much for sharing this with us. We have uh, a few episodes planned going forward. We want to also open up our podcast for anyone else. If you're having something you want to talk about, you want something, you know, it could be anything. Uh, we're going to throw some links to a way to contact us. Um, let your voice be heard. And that's all of us here signing off for the Remembrance Project. Thank you again.